We're excited to announce that our very own podcasting platform, Zencaster, has become the new sponsor to the show. Check out the podcast discount link in our show notes. Stay tuned for why we love using Zencaster for the podcast. Are you looking to start your journey in podcasting but not sure how? Kangaroo Firm Media Lab got you covered. Everything you need to know in launching and growing your podcast is here. Book a call now at kangaroofirm.com. By the way, I just released my ebook Harness the Power of Podcasting. To get a free copy, just go over to mikosantos.co slash free book. That is M-I-K-O-S-A-N-T-O-S dot C-O slash free book. This podcast is produced and managed by Kangaroo Fern Media Lab. Australia's independent video and podcast company. We do the podcasting hard bits so you don't have to. We make podcasts easy. Book a call at www.kangaroofern.com A Kangaroo Fern production. Coming up next on That Podcast is Change. When we talk about development growing professionally, they have a framework that they use, and I think it applies to podcasting too. And the framework is... As you think about where you want to develop and what you want to do to accomplish those goals, 70% of the time or 70% of the effort should be put into what we would call doing the work. Like, so working whatever this new skill is into your daily routine, 20% might be learning from others, either getting feedback or something else. And then like 10% might be taking a course or going to an event or something like that. And if you think about it in terms of podcasting, you can read all the books you want you can get all the feedback you want, but if you never put in the reps on that 70% of actually doing the work, you'll never actually get better. You're listening to that Podcast Exchange. Podcast Exchange. The show that will provide you valuable information and advice from world-class podcast experts to teach you the best practices to be successful in podcasting. The show for early-stage podcasters and service providers to give them the latest trends, news, and new opportunities in the podcast industry. Now, on to the show with your host, Miko Santos, the founder of Kanga Roofern Media Lab. Welcome. This is Miko Santos from the Kanga Roofern Media Lab, and welcome to that podcast exchange for another episode. We're talking to the founder and also a podcast editor and a podcast manager of Top Tier Audio. So, Brian Insminger. It's it's hard to pronounce. Sorry for that. Is <laughs> the owner of Top Tier Audio. A podcast production company. He is also the founder of Hindi Users, an official group for Hindenburg User, which is I'm also a user of that as well. It's easy. Oh, yeah. On Facebook and a co-host for podcast editor Mastermind. So, you know, with our friend Steve Stewart, who is also regular guest in our podcast show as well. So please welcome to the show, Brian and Swinger. Sorry for the last name. It's hard. <laughs> How are you today? I'm doing great, man. I'm I'm so glad to talk to you. All right. So who is Brian? So I know you are a podcast editor, a podcast manager, owner of Top Tier Audio. How do you start into being a podcast editor? Yeah, that's a, a great question. I like to think of myself, at least in this context, as a podcaster who tried very, very hard not to get involved in a service-based business, 
who discovered that he was good at the editing part and liked it and turned into a podcast editor. So I started my first show back in about 2014. And at the time, there were not a lot of the tools that we have available now, things like Zencaster, where we're recording right now. The microphone that you're using, the microphone that I'm using, neither of those existed at the time. And so it was a, a lot more of a scrappy environment. And I, I kind of got into that having a little bit of background in audio production and produced some really, really bad episodes. And then over the course of time, started investing in education, gaining experience, and then started picking up clients, I think around 2016, 2017. And now I work a full-time job and I have a small production company where we're kind of ever so slowly growing our client base to service the independent podcaster who really wants to make a distant, a difference with a focus on the business leaders and nonprofit leaders. Well, that sounds interesting. So you are a podcast editor. I remember when I was audio editing, I was using before because I used to work in a media company back home. The first audio editing I was using during that time is the Cool Edit Pro, which oh. is which is the old Adobe Audition now. So yeah. it's pretty pretty intensive. Pretty intensive if you're using that Adobe Audition or Cool Edit Pro during that time because you have technical know-how, how to do it. And then now when there's a lot of different software, audio editing software, what I like right now I'm I'm using the Handy, the Hindenburg Lite Pro or the Journalist One because some of okay. my podcast is more on storytelling. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us why you're trying to promote this audio editing? Is that easy to use? For me, it's easy to use. There's no technical know-how. You just put your audio there. There's automatic leveling. There's a noise reduction. Yeah. W- why this one? So I actually originally started with GarageBand, which is an Apple-only program. And then after a while, that wasn't really meeting my needs. So I switched over to something that is similar to Audacity in that it's it's a destructive editor, which means that uh, for those that aren't familiar, a non-destructive editor, you never actually change the audio files. You're just making changes and then later you export it and it mixes it all together and makes it all pretty. But a destructive editor, every time you save it, it's overwriting the actual audio files. And so I didn't like that. And as I started looking for a replacement, in my mind, based on what was available at the time, I really saw three options. One was Hindenburg, which is what I went with. One which was Adobe Audition, which was only available as a subscription model. And then there was also Reaper, which is a super powerful program. But in the end, I decided that I wanted to use Hindenburg because it's built with the idea of editing dialogue as the primary function, whereas a lot of the other programs are really built for editing and mixing music. And yes, they can absolutely do dialogue, but there's a lot of functionality in those that aren't, isn't necessarily needed and tends to get obscured and it tends to obscure the editing functions. And so a tool like Hindenburg with some of the cool things that they built in, you've, you've talked about a few of them, really it's, it's a little bit different. It does have a learning curve, but once you get used to it, it becomes very, very clear and transparent how to do the things that you're wanting to do where you're not having to open up menus and select another track and like do all of the the things that if you're listening to this and your eyes are glazing over and rolling back into your head, all of those things that make your eyes want to do that. Most of that is pretty straightforward in Hindenburg. 
And what I discovered is that not only is it super powerful in that way and comes with a lot of tools, but because I can use it with the standard set of plugins or effects that I might use in another program, I can accomplish a very high quality product with minimal effort. Or if I want to, I can go crazy and produce something that's super high quality and super detailed and have a lot of control over what I do. So it, it ends up being a really, a really great canvas to paint the story on. And it allows me to use a lot of different colors without having a lot of stuff in the way, if that makes sense. Yeah, yes, true, true. So what is the benefit of using a story audio editor like the Hindenburg for early stage podcasters who is starting up that doesn't have enough expensive equipment to do it? Yeah. So I, I would say that because it's built, and it was originally built for radio talent who previously would have had an audio engineer. And as radio started phasing that portion out, these journalists had to learn a way to do this. And so it was built to make it simple for them, which makes it simple for us. And so it's got a lot of tools built in. Like you, you mentioned the auto leveler. One of the things that it'll do when you bring different audio in is it'll try and match different voices so that they're at about the same audio level. So you don't have one person super loud and one person super soft. It has some built-in tools that I would call for sweetening the audio or making the audio radio ready that will make it sound nice and present and clean and clear as much as possible. And those are just built in, but they've built them in in a way that allows it to use some AI and some machine learning to achieve a result that might take a person doing it manually years to figure out of like constantly learning and tweaking stuff. Like I've been working on this for a long time now and it was probably only about two years ago that I started doing a lot of this stuff manually because Hindenburg made it so easy to do it. And it, I got really great results out of it. And in the end, when you're all done, nobody who's listening cares which program you use. They don't care if you use Pro Tools and you think you're a professional. All they care about is whether or not it sounds great. And I was able to do that with the built-in tools pretty easily in Hindenburg. I totally agree with that. So you said sounds professional and uh, how would you do that to being sound professional do if you're recording your podcasting but you don't good gadget or great equipment yeah i would say that because because i edit a number of shows and the number one thing that i would think people can do is just capture a really great initial recording and that's something that you covered in some of the information that you sent me in terms of having a not a great microphone. You don't have to have a studio microphone, but having a microphone that's designed for picking up spoken word audio. And it's not a difficult, like there are all kinds of microphones, but having a good microphone and using it well, which means probably a little bit of practice so that you know how far you can move before it starts to change how things sound and what things make, make for a good and bad recording. And once you get that dialed in, you can capture a good recording pretty much every time. And then a lot of the other stuff really kind of works itself out because, I mean, as a professional audio editor, I spend probably 30% of my time on client shows just repairing bad recordings. And it could be the guest recording. It could be that the the host messed something up. Maybe they normally have great recordings and this one wasn't, but I spend easily 30% of my time just fixing the bad recordings. And if you can get that much right, a lot of the other stuff really kind of works itself out. And then once you've got that, I would say the, the presentation is the next part. When you think about speaking clearly 
and having your thoughts in order and not using a lot of filler words like, um, and you know, and like some of that kind of stuff that we might obsess over just having kind of a clear train of thought where things flow well. And that could be just, that can be accomplished a lot of times just by having a dry run where you run through it and you go, do I have my thoughts in order? Can I do this clearly? And then you record it. You've got a great recording, a pretty good, re- uh, pretty good performance. Maybe just a couple of things that you want to edit in terms of maybe you mess something up and you stopped and restarted and you clip that bit out and then you publish that final episode and it sounds great. And nobody knows that you didn't spend hours tweaking it because you did the work on the front end. So, you know, other podcaster, when they're doing their own show, they're editing their own show. Sometimes they're over edited the show. So what, oh, yeah. would, what would you advise to them aside from the, the audio will be clear and how they edit it, because sometimes they overcut it. Yeah, that's a really easy rabbit hole to go down. And I will confess to you that I've done that. <laughs> so there's, there's, this is a no judgment zone. What I would say is after you've recorded, as you're listening through, if something is distracting to you, if it pulls you out of the moment of listening, so it's pulling you out of that experience and back into sort of analyzing what's going on or what was that sound or that kind of thing. Those are things that you might want to consider cutting. What I would not recommend doing, and I've seen this done way too many times, is trying to cut every single um or every filler word or every and or anything like that. I've also seen people that want to cut every single breath and they try and squish things together. Just listen to it and go, does this conversation flow naturally? If I was listening to this, would it sound right? If there's a part of it that you're going, okay, this part might distract me, see if you can edit that. And after you make the edit, listen to it and go, if I didn't know better, would I think that this was actually flowing the way it was intended? And if it's not, put it back in. Because my rule is, for the most part, if what I'm doing is leaving smudges on the audio, then I need to revert back to the original unless the original is so bad as to require what I would call a bad edit. And that's where I think about putting my fingerprints or my smudges on it as an editor. My goal is to deliver something where if somebody listens to it, not having been at the live recording, they will never know that it was edited because they'll never be able to find the points that I cut out. Everything will flow naturally. It'll sound conversationally clear. And as you're editing and getting better at this, just listen to it. And when you find those parts that are distracting, those are the things you look at. Don't go for every um. Please do not go for every um. I've been doing this for a while. I get a lot of ums, but I don't get them all. And sometimes I just send clients a note and say, hey, like this one was here. Yes, I could have cut it. But if I did, it wouldn't sound right. And I just let them know, right? I'll I'll always, if they ask me to, I'll always go back and cut it, of course. But if I say, hey, I left this in, this is why it's here. I've never had a client come back to me and say, that was terrible. Take that out. So you're saying don't overthink and not too much editing on, on, on your episode. No, in fact, as you're starting out, I might even suggest not cutting the ums. Just listen through for mistakes. And if, you, if you've made a mistake and you, and this is part of the recording too, if you're talking and you make a mistake, wait a little bit, start a sentence before you were, work yourself back into that. And then you've got a few seconds gap to let you know, okay, there was a mistake here. Edit those things in. And, and maybe at first, don't even try and go for the ums. And then as you get comfortable with that, then start adding the other stuff. There's no reason that episode one should be expected to sound like episode 100, especially if you're just starting out as a host, as an editor, as a publisher, as all of those things, because you are absolutely going to grow. 
And I mean, if you go back and listen to my first episode, you'll probably be su- surprised that I kept going because it was bad. But that's how I got started, right? And so that would be my recommendation. Absolutely. So just as long as you're on your journey, it should be changing or improving because of a lot of episodes you are doing mm-hmm. on, yeah. on the podcast. Yeah. In, in my day job, I do have a day job. When we talk about development growing professionally, they have a framework that they use. And I think it applies to podcasting too. And the framework is, as you think about where you want to develop and what you want to do to accomplish those goals, 70% of the time or 70% of the effort should be put into what we would call doing the work. Like, so working whatever this new skill is into your daily routine, 20% might be learning from others, either getting feedback or something else. And then like 10% might be taking a course or going to an event or something like that. And if you think about it in terms of podcasting, you can read all the books you want. You can get all the feedback you want, but if you never put in the reps on that 70% of actually doing the work, you'll never actually get better. Yeah, I agree. Very well said, uh, Brian. So aside from from over-editing your podcast show, as an early-stage podcaster, what should I use a free hosting for my podcast? Or do I need to buy a hosting platform in your experience? So this is how I would delineate it. I'm not a fan of free media hosting for a variety of reasons. But what I would say is that if you're doing a show that you really don't care about, right? You don't expect it to have longevity. Maybe you're doing it to practice or maybe it's just fun. Maybe it's something that you and your kid are doing together, right? And you have no expectations for it. You have no no vision for it. That's where I would say, okay, maybe go for a free host like Anchor, or I think Red Circle still has a free plan. So maybe somebody like that. And there's a bunch of reasons that I say that, but that would be where I would say maybe free hosting makes sense. For somebody that wants to build a legacy or build a body of work, and you want to own that body of work, I would recommend going with a hosting plan. And there are companies that will help you get started for free. There are like, there are a lot of different companies out there. I have one that I prefer, but just pick one of them and go with it. And and the biggest reason I recommend that is because if you're the one writing the check to keep them in business, their primary motivation will be to keep you as the person writing the check happy. If you're going with a free media host, the person who's writing the check is most likely an advertiser. And so their primary interest is going to be keeping that advertiser happy. And if there's ever a trade-off to be made between your happiness, your audience's happiness, or the person with the check, the person with the check is going to win because that's the person keeping the lights on. Yes, I agree with that. So aside from your editor, your podcaster, you are a family man. So that's a lot of things happening on on the on, yeah. on your end. So how did you balance it? And then when you first done your first episode of your podcasting, how do you deal, say, the fear of, is this going to be good? Oh, yeah, the imposter yeah. syndrome. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, so maybe we'll hit the imposter syndrome one first because that's the one that, what is this, 2022? 20, so six years into this, I still deal with that. As a person, I and my company, we we produce around 300 episodes a year for client shows. And still, I deal with imposter syndrome as an editor 
and like that that's still there the way i got past it in terms of my first show was really probably two things one was i found a course to help me with some of the things in terms of getting stuff up and running because even though it's not super difficult you kind of want to get it right uh, nothing is unfixable, but some things are harder to untangle than others. And so I did take a course that's no longer available, but I, I did that to get myself started. And then the other thing was when it came time to publish that first episode, I just did it. I was scared out of my mind. I was like, what are people going to care? Like, what are people going to think of me? What if this is like all of that mind stuff absolutely happened. What I discovered was that nobody listens to that first episode because <laughs> you don't have an audience. And uh, the fear for publishing episode two is almost as great as episode one, but it gets better over time. And that's what I did was just, I hit publish, then I hit publish again, then I hit publish again. And somewhere around, I don't know, maybe episode 150, it started, it stopped being scary <laughs> and, and got a little bit easier. And now you know, that, that show, that initial show is paused. I've launched and paused another show. I've got a show that I co-host another show that's coming out. There's very little fear involved anymore in recording live in front of an audience or hitting publish on an episode because I just put in the reps and got comfortable with it. The other question you had was really around, I think, balance. How do I balance it all? I would say, first off, I'm probably not the role model for this, but I'll share my, share what I do. I work a full-time job and since March of 2020, I've been working from home because our office has been effectively closed for that period of time. It's open. Now we can go in, but we're not required to. And because my job, my day job does not require a lot of face-to-face -face interactions, I'm able to stay working from home for the, the large portion of my time. So that's been a huge benefit for me in that for the last two years, I haven't had a commute to work. I haven't had to drive back from work. So I've gotten back probably an hour and 15 minutes of drive time every day that I'm not spending commuting. In terms of how I structure things, I generally get up at five in the morning, feed the dog. And then at five, from about 5.30 to 6.30 or so, I have time set aside to work on client shows. Around 6.30, help get the kids off to school, shower, go to work, in work from eight until five-ish, and then some family time. And then after the kids go to bed, I've got another hour or two set aside pretty much every night for production work. Um, I don't sleep as much as I should, but that's what I do. Generally, Saturdays are kind of a catch-up day if I start to get behind. And then I generally try to take from Saturday dinner time until Sunday dinner time completely off from work so that I'm spending time with my family and like setting that time aside but then in order to get a jump back on Monday after dinner on Sunday, it's fair game and I'm back at it. Right. So that's a lot, <laughs> lots of happening. <laughs> so if you have like a billboard to write just a piece of advice for early stage podcaster and also podcast editor who is starting up, what would you say to them? I think my advice for either of them would be the same. And that's not something I expected to say, but my advice for a beginning or a like early stage or even not having yet launched a show podcaster would be find one person that you trust and have them help you 
get your show off the ground and listen to them until you're comfortable with what you're doing and you're open to getting additional advice. And the reason I say that is because if you pop into some of these Facebook groups, some of them have 30,000 members. And if you say, what's the best microphone? Not only are you going to get a bunch of eye rolls because that question is asked like 10 times a day, but you're also going to get everybody's opinion. And very often that question when it's asked that way is missing context. For example, how many people are you recording? What's your recording environment like? When do you record? Do you need like it's missing all of the additional information that makes for a really good recommendation? Whereas if you've got a relationship with one person or if you have a course from one person, as long as you follow that, you'll get up and running and then you can start to make tweaks as you go along. Now, will you ever change something? Absolutely you will, but you got yourself up and running. And my advice for a just starting out editor would be the same. Find somebody, preferably one person who you trust and find out what they did and try and do that. Ask them if they'll mentor you, something along those lines so that you're not trying to crowdsource every possible answer. In both cases, I think it would be great to have a community around you. But in terms of advice and direction, I'm really a find that one person kind of guy because that's where I've seen myself, I've seen me fall off the rails is when I start trying to crowdsource ideas and I don't know enough to ask the question. Whereas if I just had like Miko, for example, to say, no, just do it this way. I'd at least like that would have saved so many questions, <laughs> so many problems. All right. Thank you so much for that, Brian. So if our listener and audience right now want to contact with you through online, how they can connect with you? The easiest thing to do would be just toptieraudio.com. Uh, I've got contact page there. There are links to social profiles. All that stuff is there. But that's the easy place to find me. All right. Thank you so much for that. So thank you so much for your time, Brian, to the that podcast exchange. So all the links will be on the show notes. So please visit Brian on, on the website or any social media platform as well. Thank you so much, Brian, for your time. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's another episode of that podcast exchange. See you in two weeks time. Hello, Humanista. Thank you again for spending your valuable time with me today. I truly respect your time. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified when a new episode is posted in the Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or via RSS. If you think others could benefit from listening, please share it on your socials. And if you're a new listener, then thank you so much for checking out the show. And don't forget, you can find all resources, links at the show note down below. Since you're listening to this, I can tell you that you are truly are dedicated to making a podcast that is a game changer for you. Your listener and scales your influence and message to the masses. For that, I want to give you the art of podcasting course for free. To get that course, go to kangaroofirm.com slash free course. Again, that is kangaroofirm.com slash free course. If you like to support the podcast, head over to our Patreon page. 
and the link will be on our show notes. By the way, if you're looking to start your own podcast, our friend from Kangaroo Firm Media Lab can help you achieve that. Check their website at kangaroofirm.com. Again, thank you for listening. This is Miko Santos. See you in two weeks' time. Check out this trailer for the upcoming episode. A Kangaroo Fern production. Coming up next on that podcast is change. Don't ignore the future <laughs> because things are changing fast. And if you only look at what has been done and you make your plan around whatever it is you're doing in life, not just podcasting, but if you plan based on what has already happened, you're going to find yourself on the back foot behind. This podcast is brought to you by Guerrilla Podcast Syndicate. Powered by Kangaroo Fern Media Lab. Kangaroo Fern is Australia's independent video and podcast management agency with the mission to help individuals and entrepreneurs to start their own podcast and harness the power of podcasting. Book now via www.kangaroofern.com. Are you ready to finally start your own podcast? Maybe you already have one but need a podcast manager to help you level up. We're here for either. Book a call at www.kangaroofern.com www.kangaroofern.com